There are times when God speaks loudly. And there's absolutely no mistaking His voice. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, God spoke through the prophets. If you look back over history, 730 years before Jesus showed up, the prophet Micah said this, But you, Bethlehem, though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Fast forward several decades, 700 years before Jesus The prophet Isaiah said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child. Will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. 500 years before Jesus, God speaks through the prophet Zechariah and he says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, riding and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And we see God speak loudly and predict what would happen in the triumphal entry of his son, Jesus. 433 years before Jesus, As the Old Testament comes to a close, God speaks through the prophet Malachi with these ominous words. He says, see, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord coming. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, the hearts of their children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. So all through the Old Testament, God speaks and calls for His people to return to Him. He calls for them to leave their idols behind, to leave all of the stuff of the world behind, and come back to a God who loves them. And through the prophets, He shouts, and He calls, He speaks, He appeals, He yells, and then He whispers, He beckons, and then He hopes. And then at the end of the Old Testament, God becomes silent. God becomes silent for 400 years. If you look in your Bible and there is one white page between Malachi and Matthew, you need to understand that that represents 400 years when God said nothing. Between the final words of the Old Testament and the incarnation of Jesus in the New Testament, God goes silent. And let's be honest, silence makes us uncomfortable. See what I mean? There's something in us that just wants to fill the space with music or words or talk radio or something. and We just want to hear something other than ourselves thinking, why isn't he talking, right? We don't like the sound of our own voices, so we try to drown it out with noise. Silence is painful for some people, but it's especially painful when the one who is silent is God. I've gone through a season in my life when God was silent. Maybe you can relate to this. 1987, I went through a spiritual desert. My heart was cold. My hope was gone. My life seemed empty. I was unbelievably alone. I had been caught in my own sin of lying and deception. And the facade that I had called my life was suddenly put on display for everyone to see how fake it was. I was despondent and discouraged and isolated. And I cried out to God in a way that I have never cried out before. And I heard nothing. Not a single word in response. 
I begged for him to let me hear his voice, and I heard nothing. God just made the decision to be completely silent. I remember walking out on the plains of Saskatchewan, listening to a song, hoping that something would trigger God's verbalness. These were the lyrics to the song. Looks like the boy's in trouble again. Living much too close to the edge of sin. Now he finds himself where he should not have been. And it pounds like thunder within my breast, all the anger of my humanness. And though I call you Lord, I must confess. I'm a stranger to your holiness. I cried out to God and I heard nothing for months. I tried to fill the silence with noise, but I just kept getting drawn back to this silence where God seemed to be. And in God's silence, I began to learn the answers to... uh, A very specific question. Why is God sometimes silent? Why does he choose to do that? Let me give you some reasons. Number one is because the silence is definite, right? God will never try and compete with the noise of our lives. Honestly, the noise in our world today, it's an idol. We've become addicted to background noise. That's why we can't stand to hear what happens in our minds when it's quiet and why we're terrified to hear what God might actually say if we quiet ourselves down enough to hear that still, small whisper. I mean, how many of you actually have ever driven to work in complete and total silence? Some of you will, but it's just that you need to know you're in the minority. Most of us, we've got to hear something. We've got to have something in the background. It scares us to be quiet when God's talking, especially in, 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 in a spiritual sort of way, it's all good. But when he gets quiet, his silence is deafening. Secondly, why, well, why does sometimes God choose to be silent? I believe it's to teach us to trust in him. It's easy to trust when you can hear God. When he's calling to you constantly and you're just following along, it's harder to trust him when he asks us to follow along in complete and total silence. Because when we're walking in silence, we start asking questions, human questions. Where did God go? Have we been abandoned? Are we completely alone? Are are we going to go somewhere that we're not supposed to go? And then to compound the problem, Satan comes along and he tries to convince us that that's the truth, that we are alone, that we have been abandoned. If you've ever heard that in your head, I want to remind you, the Bible calls Satan the king of liars for a reason. Sometimes God wants to teach us to trust in him. Another reason that sometimes God is silent is to help us discern his voice from the other competing voices in our world. A couple of years ago, my daughter McKenna and I went to a place called J.H. Ranch, and we did an exercise together. They blindfolded McKenna, and they said, you're actually going to go and walk through a series of obstacles, and your dad's going to start, he's going to put his hands on your shoulders, and he's just going to guide you along. Just follow his lead. He'll just direct you with his hands on your shoulders. No big deal. Well, we got about halfway up the side of this hill, and then this counselor came along, and they'd given us instructions When he gave us the signal, we took our hands off of our daughter's shoulders and we were allowed to say nothing unless she asked for us. And I was amazed. McKenna kind of stopped. As soon as my hands disappeared, she froze. And we stood there for a really long time. And I was dying. I wanted to share something. I wanted to say something, anything at all. All of a sudden, one of the staff came along and stood right beside McKenna and said, Kenna, your dad left you. He's gone. 
But it's okay. You can trust me. I'll take you exactly where you need to go. Now, she had been given one instruction at the beginning of the exercise. The only person you listen to is your father. He's like, it's no big deal. Like, he actually just, he, he had to go. I'm here. It's going to be fine. Just follow my lead. And she, st- I was so proud of my little girl. She stood there and said, nope. And we stood there for almost 45 minutes without moving. I have never been so relieved when I heard her say, Dad, are you right here? Like, yes, I am. I am. I have never been more than 24 inches away from you. She started asking questions. Can I put my left foot in front of my right? Is there something right in front of me? Yes, there is. Should I duck underneath of it? Yes, you should. And I was able, with my voice, to be able to lead her exactly in the right direction. Sometimes God gets quiet because He wants us to understand that when we tune into His voice, no other voice will do. Here's another reason why sometimes God goes quiet. It's to slow us down and quiet our hearts. My second grade teacher, Mrs. Endall, had an amazing trick. She would ask us to be quiet. We wouldn't because we were self-centered little narcissists in second grade. And she would always do the same thing. She'd go and sit down at her desk, and she'd sit quietly and stare at us until we finally got a clue because in her silence we got the message. We need to match our silence with hers. Sometimes God gets quiet because he wants us to do exactly the same thing he's modeling for us. Here's another reason why God sometimes gets quiet. It's to make us aware of unconfessed sin. This is the painful one. Back in 1987, the sins of pride and dishonesty and deceit and arrogance, they were complete blind spots to me. And I couldn't see them for myself. So God got really quiet until all of the distractions were completely gone and I could actually get to a point where I could literally listen to what he had to say about truth and humility. This is what I learned. I had no idea how deep the roots of those sins went into my life until I got so quiet that I could hear them growing. truth is God got quiet and I didn't respond very well at first. I wish I could tell you that God got quiet and I immediately responded in holiness and compliantly took a humble knee and waited for him to speak, but that is absolutely not what happened. I think I reacted like most people do when they're on the receiving end of the silent treatment. Okay, if you're married, you understand this, okay? Because every one of us at some point tries to play this card, right? The silent treatment card. Just in case you're the one who's using it, Today, knock it off, all right? Just stop. It's about as passive-aggressive and codependent enabling as you're possibly going to get. But if you've ever been married, you've been there, right? Because you go and ask a question. What's wrong? And this is what you get. No, really, what's the matter? No, seriously, I, I, I have no idea. What, what, what exactly did I do? been on the end of it, right? Just in case you're wondering, the silence is not helpful and you don't get to use the excuse, well, I'm just being like God was for 400 years, okay? God has a purpose in his silence. There's a big difference between being silent in order to punish somebody. There's a big difference than that than when we actually stop talking and move closer to somebody. 
and we lean in so we can listen carefully to what it is that they're saying. And then we patiently wait for an opportunity to connect at a deeper level than we ever have before. Those are two totally different responses. Well, I wish I could say I responded well when God leaned in and asked me to try and be quiet, but the truth is I didn't. I just got angry. I was a lot like King David in Scripture. God got quiet with him too. And here's a couple of his wrong responses and some of our common responses when God just gets silent, okay? One common response is frustration. Listen to David in Psalm 83, verse 1. Oh God, do not keep silent. Be not quiet. Oh God, be not still. Does that sound frustrated to you? He's basically saying, come on God, talk. Like, say something. Do something. I can't stand the silence. I mean, I don't care what you do. Just do something. Give me some indication. So some of our common responses are to get just unbelievably frustrated. A second common response is to become impatient. We just get wrapped in impatience. Listen to David in Psalm 6, verse 3. My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord? How long? I can so relate to David in that moment. It's like, God, how long are you going to keep this up? This is what I did. Fine, if you're going to be quiet, I'll be quiet too. You can't make me talk. Let's have a staring contest. I can outlast you. How smart is it to say to that to someone who's eternal, right? You think you can go without blinking for a long time? And it's just like, just watch me. I am not going to talk to anyone, especially you. Because you're not talking to me. So I'm going to zip it in a second. I'm going to be quiet. Just wait, here it comes. Are you ready? Because when I stop talking, I'm done. Completely. Go. Right? Sometimes the response is impatience. Other times the response is guilt. David said this, Psalm 51, verse 14, Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. I mean, sometimes I believe we mistake God's silence for this brooding disappointment, when instead it's conviction. It's conviction because there's actually something to feel guilty for. Sometimes we just can't deny that we've been disobedient or rebellious, that we push God to the side and that we need to deal with it. Sometimes it's guilt and sometimes the guilt is justified problem with guilt is that we often push it into areas where God didn't want it to go. God wanted us to course correct. What he didn't want is for us to believe all the lies the enemy was telling us. Here's another common response. is just discouragement. Listen to David in Psalm 42 verse 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? You know, when I went through this season in 87, I was so discouraged. Not just because of the fact that God was silent, but over the fact that he'd spoken to me so many times and I just ignored him. I mean, honestly, I couldn't blame him for just getting really, really, really quiet. So when I got to the end of this season, I finally stopped feeling sorry for myself and I made the decision to stop trying to fight the silence and I made a counterintuitive decision that I'm hoping every single one of you will make throughout this entire Christmas season. I made the decision instead of battling against the silence that I was actually going to enter into it willfully. And willingly. I turned down all the noise of my life and I started looking in Scripture for the proper response that I should have 
when God just got quiet. So you might be amazed at this, but God actually tells us exactly what we're supposed to do when he suddenly gets quiet in our lives. I put it in the form of a question. How should we respond to God's silence? Let me put it this way. Number one, ask God the reason for his silence. All throughout the Christmas season, I'm going to be reminding you why it was that Jesus came. He came to die. That was his express purpose, to die for the sins of the world so that we could be set free. He came to give his life as a ransom for our sins so we could be reconciled to God. And as Jesus hung on the cross, his heavenly Father got deathly quiet. And Jesus asked a question. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can I tell you the reason why God the Father forsook his Son? Can I tell you the reason why God had to literally turn his back so he couldn't look at his dearest firstborn son ever again? Let me tell you the reason. It's because the Messiah, God's chosen son, the one who had never sinned, who had never taken sin on his life, who was absolutely perfect and spotless because he took my sin and your sin upon his spotless soul. And because God his Father is absolutely perfect and holy, he can't look at sin, so he needed to turn his back and become silent. Why was Jesus forsaken by his Father? Let me give you the reason. Grant Fishbrook, Monique Newman, Terry Sparks, Mark Iblins, Kevin Stauffer, Pam Holliday. And just in case you're wondering, yeah, if we stayed and were true enough to the list, we'd whisper your name to you. When God gets quiet, I think we need to follow the example of Jesus and ask him why and then stop talking and listen. Be patient. Don't fill in the gaps. Don't turn the radio back on. Don't try and fill all of the the periphery with noise. No, just ask why and then wait. One of the things I've learned on my journey is this. There have been times when I thought God wasn't talking the truth and the reality was I just wasn't quiet enough in order to hear him whisper. Secondly, how are we to respond to God's silence? Number two, just remember that silence doesn't mean absence. Just because God is silent doesn't mean he left. Just because God is silent doesn't mean he's not right there. Just like I was standing right beside my daughter, all I needed to do was call and his presence was there. If God left, which he will never do, he would have been a liar because he made us all a promise in Scripture. In Deuteronomy he made it, in the New Testament he made it, he said exactly these words, I will never leave you or forsake you. Just because he's silent does not mean he's absent. It doesn't mean he's gone. In fact, he may be closer to you than he has ever been before. So close that he doesn't need to shout or talk in a normal voice. Could it be that he is so close to your ear that all he would need to do in order to be heard is whisper? Thirdly, remember that silence does not mean inactivity. 
Psalm 138, verse 8. I love these verses. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. You know, just because you can't see God working does not mean that God's not working. A couple of years ago, we were all watching TV as a nation and around the world as a group of Chilean miners were trapped miles underneath the surface of the earth. There was no hope. At least it didn't seem like there was hope. Trapped underground, they said they could do nothing but wait for rescue. One of the miners in his memoir wrote these words, Silence talks when you are waiting for the sound, any sound of rescue. And for days as we watched, we saw people doing everything they could to try and rescue them. For days though, on their, from their perspective, there was nothing. Nothing from their side. But that didn't mean nothing was going on. In fact, up on the surface... There was an unbelievable rescue underway. A group of rescuers didn't sleep. They didn't eat. They they didn't rest. They were absolutely fixated on how are we going to get these miners out of this this dungeon that they're under, away underneath of the ground. You know, they didn't give up hope because they knew lives were on the line. And the miners said that when they finally knew rescue was coming because they said they heard a little tiny tapping sound. And they said, when they heard the tapping sound for the first time, everybody stopped talking. Because the tapping sound turned into a scratch. And then the scratch turned into dust starting to move on one of the portions of the cave. And then suddenly, there was a breakthrough of light and connection, and their hope was restored. And that's the beauty of what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of years. Because God was silent for 400 years, but He was not inactive. I'm going to show that to you over the next couple of weeks. He was laying the groundwork for the greatest rescue mission of all time. And that's what we're going to celebrate this Christmas. Here's the final one. How should we respond when God gets quiet, when God is silent? Well, I would put... I think this is really important. We need to respect God's right to be silent and respond the same way. I mean, I think we can all agree on this, right? God is God and we are not. If He wants to be silent, He has that right. Because He is God and we are not. Let me try that again. He's God and we're not. He's God and we are not. He's God, and we're not. And if He decides that the best thing for us is for Him to be quiet enough, to get close enough, to whisper to us, I believe He has that right. And He's given us implicit instructions about how to act when He's silent. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am We're not very good at that, are we? We just don't know what it means to be still. And yet that's exactly what God calls us to do. Habakkuk 2.20 Let all the earth be silent before Him. God says when I get quiet, match silence for silence. You know, the season of Advent is about waiting with expectation. 
First believers in Jesus cried out in expectation with these words. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. And Advent teaches us to wait with God in the silence. Here's my challenge to all of us again this year. That we would enter into the silence and not battle against it. That we wouldn't get drawn into the noise. Because if we do, we might miss that still small whisper when God breaks his silence. Scripture also says, stand up. Lift up your head because your redemption is drawing near. I would ask for a show of hands, but it would probably be scary if I asked everyone who has ever experienced or is currently experiencing the silence of God. Because I've found that God loves us enough sometimes to just Silent night. Holy night. All is calm. All is bright. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, would you help us this Christmas season to not fight against silence but to enter into it. Lord, we are really good at loud around Christ the King. But would you teach us what it means to quiet our soul so much that we can hear nothing but that still, small voice. Father God, I invite you to speak to me over the next four to five weeks. Lord, I pray that I'd be wise enough to just dial everything down so that when you whisper, there's no mistaking your voice. Father, I thank you that we have the promise that you will always break your silence. And Lord, in the meantime, would you help us to respond in a godly, quiet way so that we wouldn't miss a word of the incarnation this Christmas. Father, I pray that we would fully enter into the silence knowing that we will celebrate that you shattered the silence with a baby's cry. I pray that we would know that baby was Emmanuel, God with So, Father, we thank you for being in the silence with us. May we wait with expectancy and hope and joy. And it is in the name of our Savior and Messiah, Jesus, that we pray and all God's people said.